Well, this is a remarkably rich feast, and we've got a lot of things going on here. Um, we've got this kind of movement of uh, Jesus coming to us and us coming to Jesus, and we're meeting together in the temple of the Lord. We also kind of got this theme of um, offering, because there's an offering that Joseph and Mary are bringing to offer to the Lord as a sacrifice. And uh, in, the, in their case, it is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons uh, because that was the offering of the poor. And I'm going I'm to return to that. Um, but in any event, you get this idea of offering, of sacrificial offering, which really comes to ultimate fulfillment in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the cross. And so we have this, this feast is a kind of a middle transition between Christmas and Easter. Okay? So it comes smack dab right in the middle. We look back to Christmas because here's Jesus. He's a baby. He's been born. He's being brought to the temple as part of those initial uh, liturgical rites that would surround every newborn child. But yet at the same time, we have the prophecy of Simeon who says this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign which will be contradicted. That sign is likely a reference to the sign of the cross. And then Simeon says to Mary, and you yourself, a sword will pierce. So uh, Mary is going to be participating uh, in the sacrifice of her son because she is just like she here is, she's offering the pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So she's going to be stabat mater, standing, you know, by the cross, the mother by the cross, and she's going to be offering to God the Father her son. Uh, Thirty years hence from this from this time here. So there's a foreshadowing of, of Easter as we prepare for Easter and for the sacrifice, uh, the Paschal sacrifice of Christ. Um, there's a lot here. The whole theme of the light with the candles, and it says, you know, uh, Christ is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're the Gentiles, and the light of Christ has come to us. But just a, maybe the one thing I'm going to focus on here is the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph offer is a sacrifice of poor people. Okay, So if you were rich, you'd offer a big bull. If you were poor, you'd offer these two little birds, a pair of doves, or p- pigeons even. You know? <laughs> if you're going to fi- find, you know, fork over the cash for the pigeon, for the doves, then you, get, you go into the pigeons. You know, um, So that's about as lowly a sacrifice as you can possibly get, just these two pigeons. Um, and uh, it's good to remind ourselves to remember that uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, that Joseph and Mary uh, were poor, and really they were part of a people group that was oppressed at that time. Okay, the Romans were uh, the dominant power, and the Jews had been under their thumb for hundreds of years. For well, under the rule of the Romans, they had been under the rule of the Romans for about 50, 60 years, and then previous to that, they had been under the rule. Of uh, they had some independence there for a while, but then before that they were under the rule of the Seleucid dynasty and Macedonian dynasty and these different the Greek rulers. So for really hundreds of years they had been a people who were uh, occupied, who had been oppressed, and uh, and then Mary and Joseph to top it off were poor. And in our own experience. Um, you know, here we are. Probably most of us, you know, we're not. We don't come from WASP background. Where our ancestors were immigrants, and we're coming over to America to try to make a better life for themselves. And we're probably poor themselves. I know that's the case for me, for sure, for the Irish and the Italian side of me. 
Um, but right now, we have to admit, as in America, we're living pretty good, and we're people of privilege as as white Americans, middle class, norm, you know. And uh, we're we've got a lot of we got a lot of privilege. Um, there's no doubt about it. And Joseph and Mary did not have that. And then Christ was born into a family uh, that was not a privileged family. And so that's not to make us feel guilty, but it's to remember that we need to uh, be mindful of those who are not privileged, those who are oppressed, those who are poor, those who are in a minority group and uh, don't have uh, as, as much opportunity and, and, and privileges as we do. <clears throat> now, even though our, our social class and everything else that comes with who we are and where we're living right now in this, in this time and this place um, brings with it many privileges. You know what the greatest privilege is? Is to receive the, the gospel and the privilege of receiving uh, the Eucharist. That's the greatest privilege. And that's a beautiful thing because that privilege can be given to everybody, regardless of social class, regardless of whether you're oppressed or not, regardless of whether you're a minority group or a majority group, regardless of your socioeconomic standard. And we have that to give to the world. We have that to give to the world. We have Christ. So just like we carry these lights, we need to be a light in the world. We need to carry a light out into the darkness uh, and, and heal the wounds of division that our country is, is really suffering right now. We have Jesus Christ, and he's free, and he can be given to anyone, anytime, anywhere. Um, and then we can invite them into the church, and th- through their, you know, the process of initiation, they can receive Christ in the Holy Eucharist. That's the greatest privilege, and there's no discrimination when it comes to, to that kind of privilege. So let's thank God for that. Let's be mindful of those who have less than us, and let's remember our duty uh, towards the less fortunate to bring to them the light of Christ.